Good morning, everybody. I'd like to give a little context and then I'll guide us in to the sitting. So we've been encouraged so far to investigate the nature of our experience in its universal characteristic. As Pascal was saying yesterday, that actually it's not as personal as we think. And the Buddha's teaching supports us to look deeply into these universal characteristics that all of us share, that is not different whether you're awakened or not awakened. That the experience of body, of mind, of sensing, of hearing, of tasting, feeling, touching, thinking, imagining, is not a place that we can make home in any ultimate sense, the experience. Because it's changing, it's dynamic, it's unfolding, it's unstoppably dynamically unfolding. Beginning the investigation in this way and continuing it is one that lets us settle into a basis of being here that lets our specificity, our unique particular version of this universal life, be able to rest in a belonging that is more at ease for the heart, where the heart and mind can be free. So today, let's see what will support this investigation into the universality of our experience. First foundation of mindfulness from the teachings of the Buddha is to cultivate mindfulness of the body, to know body as body, to not be fooled by body, to not be fooled into thinking that the initial contact with body, the sensation, the image, the uh, feeling, not to stop there, not to try to make home there, to include it, but to open the attention in such a way that our relationship to body can start to alter from one that is pushing and pulling at it, demanding it be a certain way, hating that it's a certain way, glorifying that it's a certain way, that can start to rest in the universality where we know body as body. And then the Buddha invited us specifically how to do this. He said to know body as body through the experience of breathing. Know breathing as breathing. Not your image of breath, your idea of breath, but the visceral, immediate fact that while you're alive, this body inevitably breathes in and it breathes out. And the closer our attention can be 
an attention that is both bright, yes, but also visceral, also sensing the breath. The intimacy with that kind of knowing is a knowing that is not just simply conceptual knowing. It's a knowing that is more fundamental, more basic, more primary, and one that lets the heart rest back into that universal belonging. We see breath as changing. We, we're right there as it ends. It fades, it disappears, it dwindles, the body softens. And then the new breath is born. There's more vitality. There's brightening in the mind. There's a filling out. It reaches its peak and it starts to drop back. All of us, everything that breathes, we join that rhythm. We join that rhythm because there our mind can start to rest. Not that we're abandoning thought forever, not at all. The Buddha was bright. He used it well. But as a basis, a basis for which the creativity, the dynamism, the specificity, the thought, the uniqueness can have a basis where we don't have to keep extracting ourselves from the totality to know ourself. So mindfulness of body is body through breath. I just want to highlight two reasons for mindfulness of body could say. One is to establish samatha, establish a oneness of body and mind, a firm presencing basis, a hereness that is here, right? Something that has some substance to it as a way to not be blown around by the contents and the stimulation and the impingement and the impacts that are constant. So we establish mindfulness of body for this firm foundation in presence, in presencing. And this can deepen and widen as we give ourselves to knowing body as body. So if you want to practice this, stay with the breath till its end. Let the attention spread through your body as that breath fades and dwindles and as the new one is born. Steadying the attention here will support this firm basis. Secondly, this mindfulness of body is so that we can have and um, the privilege while we're alive actually that the body is the place for investigation, a place for investigation. When our attention is a little bit more settled, then this body opens up to us its secrets, its, it, it allows us, we could say, to see beyond appearance to not be fooled by the first look of something. And by look, I don't just mean visual. I mean the first look of how a pain appears. 
when the untrained attention, what happens when you get pain? The untrained attention doesn't like it, goes away, bounces off, gets irritated, dreams of another fantasy, says, why is this being done to me? It's not fair. Whatever we do with unpleasantness. But the trained attention, as we train the attention, we stay close to appearance. We learn what kind of attention is needed here. Do I want to penetrate a little deeper? Does this call for me to soften and widen around this pain in my knee? Does it call for me to back off a little bit and have it in my visceral gaze from a distance? Does it require that I touch the pain and move away and come back again? What is needed here? What is needed here? And in this way, the attention gets cultivated. The attention becomes something that is lithe, malleable, flexible, intelligent, not just a one, a one show, what do you call it, like a one trip. Like you've got one skill, like it's got one tool to it, like the attention would only have one tool. It becomes something that is shapeable into the appropriate response to what arises. And this is, the body becomes a place we can practice this. And the lessons we learn with body are beautiful in them of themselves. We can start to release that grip of my body. Yes, it is our body to care for, absolutely. But that, if it's not nestled in that universality, that caring for my body can become fraught, become, become a... Um, edgy, um, fraught place. So mindfulness of body for samatha, for firmness, for not being blown around by the contact. Mindfulness of body for the beauty of this temple of investigation. And mindfulness of body as a place where attention the lessons of attention can be cultivated. Right? Attention can become lithe and beautiful. One thing, especially for us ex- experienced meditators, which are many in the room, to know body as body is not something we can do just by observing body. As meditators, we're trained in the beauty of observing, to be able to come away from something to get a little bit more space. Right? Um, this is appropriate for certain experiences. It gives us a vantage point. It gives us a capacity to not be bogged down in something. But to know body as body, this capacity to observe must not only be able to be lofty and have room. The body unfolds its secrets through touch, through feeling out sensation, breath, that tingling in the elbow, 
that, that weightiness of my sit bones and my flesh. If I just try to observe that as some kind of scientific um, objectivity, the body doesn't tend to respond to that kind of viewing. The body unfolds in intimacy with our attention. So attention, again, isn't just this bright quality of the head, as beautiful as that is and necessary. It is visceral. It can be visceral. It can be um, intelligent and the acuity that we may love from the bright intellect can be equally um, as precise and crisp as we learn how to have a visceral attention with body as body. So what that means in practical terms is drop down. If you notice you're observing your breath from on high, no judgment needed, but just see the effect of that. Oh, oh, okay, I feel a little two-dimensional or I lose the juiciness or, um, yeah, I get a little bit of space, but I lose the heart a little bit here. Dear body, how would you like to be known right now? And then we pause. Knowing body as body through weight, through coolness, through heat, through pain, through pleasure, through neutral sensation, through the space that can open up in the body, all the ways we can know it immediately (coughs) can take just a little longer, require a, a little more patience than we may used to be used to when using the mind to read words, where we can know it right away. Sharp, clear, it's like this. No, pause a little bit. Come into relationship with body as body. It's well worth the cultivation of this relationship. And more than worth, I think our very life depends on it for meaning for translating anything that we love into action, we, are, we need to know body as body. This is where we meet each other. This is where we meet. So we give um, attention a task in meditation. Involuntary attention, which has the bias towards pleasure. Again, there's nothing wrong with pleasure. It's not a, it's not a killjoy practice, but we need the right relationship to pleasure. Right? But involuntary attention, when it has no task, if it's not satisfied with what's going on, we kind of rummage around in the mind for something to chew on or um, some old memory or something to feed us 
Voluntary attention is the contemplative shift where we give attention a task that may at first appearance not always be the most pleasurable thing. Sometimes it's very neutral meditation. Involuntary attention is not trained to know the vast terrain of what is neither pleasurable or unpleasurable. Are you willing, are we willing, am I willing today that when I sit with breath and body and it's neither exciting nor terrible, which is quite a lot of the time when I'm not in pain or in great pleasure, Am I willing to make that contemplative doorway, to give it value, this neutralness, this place I often overlook because I have to sort out some other problem or reflect something else back to myself about myself? But no, today, this is meditation. I have an intention for contemplation. It's neutral. It's not anything in particular. Can I get to know that? Can I cultivate this visceral attention, sensing in, sometimes coming up close to the particular part of the body, the backside on this cushion, the weight of my arms, and sometimes this wide-angle visceral attention where the attention can sweep through the body, through the whole cloth, the whole domain, and what appears at first as neutral, what appears at first to offer me nothing, tell me nothing, can start to open up and reveal meaning, more depth. This is the shift. To a, to a spiritual practice, as I understand it, and that we don't stop at appearance, neither visual nor sensate appearance, tactile appearance, auditory appearance, right? A sound comes, boink, first reaction, blah. Okay, let's not stop there. Let me continue breathing, sensing, oh wow, look what just happened there, whole body just contracted. What follows on, right, stay really immediate and close to yourself to see what unfolds. Because if we don't, and we stay with the appearance, in this case the auditory appearance, I don't know if there's an equivalent word, is there, in English, what appearance would be for the ears. Maybe there is sound. (laughs) It doesn't sound quite the same, doesn't it? If we don't, if we don't um, have a contemplative intention, then what happens? The sound arises, we might hate it, and then for 10 minutes we're spinning in a story, 10 minutes at best, two days, three weeks, about how it shouldn't be, and if I was running the world, it would look like this, and if they only could do that, and some of them have to be like this, and I know how things ought to be. And that's the gap of suffering. The gap between the way things are in this moment and the way I think things ought to be according to my 
agenda. Somebody said last night, I'm going to pause when I know that I'm right, because it happens quite a lot. Remember she said that? Yeah. I'm going to pause when I think I know appearance. And I'm going to breathe, and I'm going to bow, and I'm going to go, okay, I don't know everything there is to know about this life. In fact, some of the marks of the people who have inspired me the most are the ones who can do exactly as our friend said last night, who have paused long enough at that gateway to realize they don't know much at all, but that that opens them up to a great knowing, bright, visceral, but that cannot be claimed. And this has meaning for us as humans. So I'd like to guide us in a little bit to the sitting this morning. So please uh, take your seat. Begin a sitting, I uh, suggest, in taking some time to establish the posture. This will make any investigation into mind state, thought, feeling, sensation, it will make it stable, (coughs) uh, grounded, so it's not just a good idea. So let's take a few minutes to really take care with establishing this as if you would have such respect for this body right now that you wouldn't take it for granted that it will still be with you by the end of the sitting. Sounds dramatic, but it happens. People die, all of us. And that reflection is to firstly join us together. We'll all meet each other there. If we haven't met before, we join up there. but actually so we can meet before that moment. These mortal, this mortal material, while it's here, may I cultivate what's possible to cultivate. So breathing out, letting the flesh of your buttocks drop, soften around the sit bones, spread across the cushion or however your backside does it. Giving your weight back to earth, giving ourselves back. Let the out-breath drop your attention into your thighs. as if the visceral attention could slowly feel its way into the thighs and the flesh and spread and widen to the perimeter of your flesh and beyond. And letting the breath, letting the breathing come from that body. 
human being breathing. Human being weighty, firm, here. Taking a moment to establish the arms, the hanging. Can you know that? Know it through this visceral attention. The arms hanging from the shoulders, the weight. Maybe there's that bend at the elbow and the forearms available open for this sensate, intelligent attention to fill and pervade and steep through the flesh and the bones and all the space which is most of what's here, we are told by those who look with microscopes. And letting the face soften and the eyes rest in the sockets. Taking a moment to Get to know that extension of the skull. The sensation of having a head from the inside. It might just be a little density or might feel like an empty space up there. I don't know. You might feel some pain. You might feel the boniness. How do you know you have a head right now? And breathing out, just sweeping the attention through from skull, through the throat. The arms, the ribs, the breastbone. and those soft organs inside as they breathe in. And as they breathe out, down through the torso and the back of the spine to this strong girdle of the pelvis, these big bones, to the belly and the guts, and the hips and the genitals, softening, 
with an attention that loves to know. Metaphorically asking for permission to know and be known. Just one breath at a time. And sometimes you can give more attention to the mindfulness of breathing. You can let it be foreground. To apply and sustain attention. Sometimes you can let the mindfulness of breathing be a central axis a very light central axis and your attention is wider spread through the whole body available awake and when your attention gets captured and trapped Unlimited, no judgment needed. Of course, it does. You can breathe out. You can slow it down. Sense your backside on the cushion. Unhook. Seeing the thought as just thought for now. Breathing out. human body breathing in.
As we settle more and more deeply into our practice, into our experience, into our bodies, moment by moment, we notice a natural degree of sensitivity beginning to develop, to be rediscovered, perhaps we could say. And so there's a, there's a possibility that there's an invitation for us to support that deepening sensitivity in the, the way we really include different aspects of the day. One of the areas to really notice is what happens for us at the end of the sitting when the bell rings, and it's actually not happening that much as far as I am hearing or seeing, but sometimes we can feel like, ah, oh, it's over, phew. And it's kind of interesting, you know, what's happening there, because what's over, you know, we're still here. The experience just after the bell rings isn't really that different from the experience just before it rings, if we look at it carefully. But something releases with the sound of the bell. Sometimes there's a palpable sort of breathing out in the room. It's like, ah, finally I can think about things. Or I can move my body. Or I can, whatever it might be. But some kind of, it's useful to notice that pressure and see what would it be like to release that kind of holding before the bell rings. Which might involve having permission to change one's posture if one really needs to. And we can. Or to notice if there's some way we're holding ourselves a little too tightly. That is what we release when the bell rings. And then that holding tightly, there's a, there's a really useful holding that's supportive, that's grounding. And then there's a, a way in which we sometimes clench a little tightly. And becoming aware of the layers of tension of holding in the body is part of what we encounter. And in transition times, it's really useful to stay close to them. And what that also means is then we can be quite sensitive and aware of what, what energy might be flowing from us into the space around us as we, as we begin to move, as we transition through different spaces in the, the center. And uh, with that too, to, to be aware as we become more sensitive that the, the way we move, the way we are, kind of touches us. Oh, we're all held together. And the care we give to that actually supports everyone. I just want to also, in a way, acknowledge and recognize that for some people there are the, the challenges of having to kind of coexist with multiple microorganisms who are colonizing parts of one's body. And, you know, it's not easy when we have a cold or a cough. And uh, to be able to be compassionate for oneself in that situation. And also in compassion for, for our companions to be really aware of the importance of covering the mouth and nose when we sneeze or cough as I think people are, and uh, you know the, uh, the great benefit of using one's arm or shoulder or elbow for that, so that we 
don't cough in our hands and then touch things that other people come into contact with. And it's a, it's a really useful mindfulness practice. Actually. Oh, can I just contain this particular, rather than containing my aversion or containing my cravings, it's more, oh, can I contain these, can I host these microorganisms just over here for now, rather than sort of participating in their enthusiastic colonization of other, other dimensions. And that, and, and so there's actually a, a taking care of each other in that, and um, really the remembering if we do have have some kind of bug going on, to be extra careful with washing hands and using the uh, the hygiene sort of gels that are around various places. And as we notice that, as we're aware of that, also being aware of for ourselves whether fear arises. Oh my gosh, what if I catch something? Or what if I've got something and it gets worse? Or and <coughs> excuse me, I didn't do it, did I? <coughs> <coughs> I don't think I've got a cold. That's just a dry throat. But still, best to catch it if you can. Um, so. Helpful not to judge oneself if one fails. <laughs> and I uh, hope that others will forgive one if one, if one doesn't remember. But that sense of also, in a way, containing what might arise by way of fear around health. And in fact, if it should be that we're at this time invited to co-host or to, to host some co-inhabitants of our body. There are many of them that are actually really helpful to us, keeping us alive, and there's a few of them that cause us some irritations and difficulties. But to watch the way the mind can spin with that sometimes, in fear, and trust that everyone's doing their best to take care of the situation. It looks like that we've found some spaces in the hall. Is, is anyone not being able to find a space to sit in the hall when they wanted to? On a mat or a chair? There's certainly at least one space been freed up at the front. And it uh, looks like people are okay. That's great. Just want to mention again with notes, please sign the notes. It really helps us to be able to respond appropriately if you write to us and want us to know something or engage with something. Um, and if you do write to us and you're um, perhaps imagining there may be a response to, check and see if there's a note. We may arrange to meet with you to respond to it. We may speak in the hall. We may put your name down for an individual interview as a way of engaging with what you've raised. And so just check that. We will from today be offering some spaces for individual interviews that will be um, generally in the afternoon. Um, and we'll post those spaces around lunchtime after the group interviews have taken place. And there will be more spaces available over the coming days. And they're essentially for things that feel they need a little longer than is available in a group or perhaps are of a nature that seems more appropriate for an individual conversation rather than being part of a group. And they are, uh, in a sense, a scarce resource and that we don't have infinite time and there's only three of us and a hundred of you. So that's kind of just the nature of it. But there is, and generally, we do find the space for what's needed. So if you feel that that's what you need, please feel free to make use of the spaces or to let us know if you need one with a note. And do check, as I said, if you write us a note for um, 
whether we might have responded because if we make a space for you and it doesn't get used then it's a scarce resource that uh, sort of in a way wasn't uh, wasn't harnessed with the walking continuing to come really fully into our body to be really present in the body and finding a balance between the particularity of the simple and exquisite but sort of specificity of just my foot touching the earth, or just the toe, or just because it's in fact foot and toe, they're concepts, aren't they? They're ideas. It's just that first moment of sensation arising in the contact, or changing as it moves. And sometimes just that is all that we need to attend to. And other times maybe the whole sense of the body moving, the flow of body, the fluidity of body, which again, when we go beneath and beyond the concept, is a field of vibration, of sensation, of pulsing and tingling, of warmth and coolness, of pressure and lightness and changing varieties of these. And really inhabiting this while in the world. To see that this is not apart from the world we're in. To know this directly, moment by moment. It's time now for some group interviews. And if those of you who, or those who have groups, are allowed to leave first, so we can begin quite directly. And I'd like to say with the groups, please come directly to the groups. It's not necessarily time to visit the... uh, the tea urn. If you need to go to the bathroom, please do that and, and come. But apart from that, uh, if we can begin promptly, it helps us to finish closer to on time. And again, at uh, 10 o'clock, we'll begin with some standing for as long as feels useful and then continuing with sitting until the end of the sitting. Thank you. <laughs>